Good morning. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 5. We're continuing our study there. The um, purpose of the book of Revelation is to reveal things which must shortly, that is, suddenly come to pass. And in doing so, the book discloses much about the Lord Jesus that we would not know otherwise. His um, humiliation and suffering are over. Jesus is glorified. He acts in uh, the end times of revelation as God's sole agent for justice, for judgment. Okay? Quite a shift from the Gospels, from the, our study of Matthew uh, a year and, and two ago. The um, purpose of chapter 4 last week and chapter 5 this week is to prepare us for what is to follow. God, as the mighty ruler of the universe, is seated on his throne in glory. He's surrounded by worshiping creatures, and he's poised, he's ready to send judgment on the earth. God, in um, uh, chapter 4, set before his prophet John an open door to heaven and ushered him in, in the spirit, to his very throne room to show him one of the most remarkable scenes in all history, in all prophecy. Uh, We should emphasize again, as Luke did last week, that um, the believers in this age will not go through the tribulation, will not go through the tribulation. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It may be uh, helpful also to realize that John um, saw this vision about 95 or 96 AD. So um, the unveiling of the, uh, the events that he recorded are accurate, but the vision is over. Okay, the events are yet future, the vision is over. Um, uh, Revelation chapters 4 through 22 are things that will take place, things that will take place. So what John saw in the past is what's going to happen in the future. But the glory of the Lord is present. The Lord Jesus is receiving honor and praise and adoration and glory now. To summarize The vision is past, the events are future, his glory is present. At the beginning of our study in Revelation, uh, Don offered keys to understanding Revelation, and uh, there are copies still on the table underneath the camera uh, that the camera is standing on in the back. The first key is... Jesus is the theme of the book of Revelation. He, uh, we look for Jesus in this book. He's revealed in our chapter today as triumphant over death. He is the eternal one of infinite power and majesty, and he's worthy of all honor and adoration. We should watch for repetition in any Uh, Bible study, but particularly in chapter 5, because we find uh, God's throne 
appears 15 times in chapters 4 and 5. I believe uh, 9 or 10 times in this chapter alone. And um, the word scroll um, comes into view eight times in our study this morning. So our, our focus is um, on the throne of God, but um, how does the scroll fit into this picture? With that, let's, um, let's read Revelation 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, worthy, I'm sorry, with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the hand, out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. We'll look at um, these uh, verses in, uh, in three parts. We'll look at um, verses 1 through 4 as the call for anyone worthy to take the scroll. The call goes out. Who is worthy to take the scroll? Interestingly, it's unanswered in verses 1 through 4. But then in verses 5 through 7, we see the lamb is worthy, and he prevailed to take the scroll. And then um, we see in verses 8 through 14 the outpouring of praise in response to the Lamb taking the scroll. Well, um, we see in verse 1, him who sat on the throne. 
That was um, John's focus uh, in the previous chapter, he who sits on the throne. But what arrests, is, uh, arrests John's attention in, in this section of scripture is what he is holding. He's got a scroll in his right hand. It's um, written inside and out, um, and it's fastened with, um, with seals, seven seals. Show, uh, show us a um, slide here, Luke. Okay. Um, what is a, or why a scroll, and why seven seals? Um, here's an image, here's an artist's uh, idea of what a scroll would look like. But um, uh, why a scroll? Because the scroll was the format. It was the, um, it was the means of any official uh, diplomatic government uh, document um, of the time. In this case, the scroll contains the revelation of God's purposes and counsels for the earth. Imagine the, um, the weight of uh, the importance of this scroll, which um, may explain why it had seven seals. Uh, a seal was a wax impression uh, stamped into, um, uh, onto the scroll for um, security purposes. You dare not break the seal if the scroll was not addressed to you, and also for secrecy, that um, the contents of the scroll were to remain secret. until the time of, uh, of their designated opening. Well, uh, seven, we um, remember from our keys to understanding the book was the number representing completeness and um, perfection. Why will God judge the earth? Okay, um, the scroll contains instructions for uh, judgment and um, why? Why is God judging the earth? In, uh, in very uh, practical terms, the Holy Spirit is gone from the earth. Uh, the Lord uh, pulls back the restrainer. Um, he's no longer um, restraining men and women from their rebellion, from their sin. And um, he's raptured his redeemed ones. So interestingly, uh, at the rapture, after the rapture, there are zero, there are no believers on the earth. So the conditions are, are ripe uh, for, the, um, for the judgment of the world. As we, um, as we noted last week, the world is broken. The world is broken. Why should the world get away with evil? Um, the Lord will judge the wicked. He will vindicate his righteousness. We saw in Psalm 2 um, last week, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. 
Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. The world is broken. Um, there was an electrician at our house this week, and I, um, we got to talking about this, and um, uh, I f- he fixed our, our light in our bathroom, and I, I said, you know what? The light was broken, and you fixed it. I said, the world is broken, and there's no fixing it. <laughs> and uh, he kind of perked up, you know, okay, I understand that, but um, the Lord will judge the earth. Uh, because of its wickedness, because it's broken. We sense something of the gravity, the seriousness of the scene by the herald, by the, um, uh, the person that God uses to make this proclamation in verse 2. I saw a strong angel, a mighty angel, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Perhaps this was Gabriel because it was Gabriel who helped Daniel understand the vision back in uh, Daniel chapter 9, the vision of the 70 weeks, okay? So perhaps this was Gabriel. And he he proclaims with a loud voice, giving urgency to the announcement. It's broadcast. Who is worthy to open the scroll? That is, who's deserving to... Uh, open the scroll. Who has the required excellence to open the scroll and to loose its seals, that is to break the seals on this, uh, on this scroll? We're going to observe the Lord Jesus uh, breaking them uh, consecutively one by one in the chapters ahead. But in verse 3, and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Not the mightiest archangel, not the most respected of the Old Testament prophets, not the most gifted of the New Testament apostles was able to approach the throne to to take the scroll, to open it, or even to look at it. The content of the scroll is impressive. It requires the power of God to reveal its writing and to execute its directives its instructions. So in verse 4, John wept much because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. He was heartbroken. Bill McDonald in his commentary asked the questions, did that mean, uh, looking through John's eyes, did that mean that earth's wrongs would not be righted, that God's righteousness would not be vindicated, that the wicked would go unpunished, that the king of Israel would not reign on the earth a thousand years, Uh, that um, that was cause for weeping. That was cause for heartache. Perhaps John, in uh, hearing this proclamation from the mighty angel, sensed his own inadequacy, his own unworthiness, that he was not uh, able to help um, as, uh, as the prophet Isaiah was sorry. He said, woe is me. Isaiah 6, 5, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So John, uh, John weeps, but in verse 5, one of the elders um, comes to him and he says, Do not weep. Behold, 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Behold means look. Don't weep, look. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. That's our goal today. Look, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. How many heartaches through the centuries have been soothed and tears dried by a look at the lion of the tribe of Judah, at the Lord, at Jesus. When we speak of the lion, uh, we're looking back to Genesis 49, to um, the patriarch Israel's prophecy of his son Judah. And uh, the prophecy, uh, Genesis 49, 8 through 10, speaks of rule, of dominion, of majesty, of justice, of righteous rule. That's what we know of the, um, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David, the root there is uh, creator. Um, Jesus is the one who, um, who created David, who um, fulfills the Davidic uh, line of, um, uh, of the kingdom. He is the, uh, the author, the creator. Why, why um, make this proclamation and have no one answer initially? It was to show that Jesus has no rivals, that there is no one else who is deserving, who's worthy to take the scroll. In... Um, in verse 5, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Over what had the lion prevailed? What had he conquered? A poet wrote, um, hallelujah, Christ hath conquered, conquered sin and death and hell. Sing aloud his mighty triumphs, gladly now his praises tell. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus has done all things well. So the elder uh, comforts John. He says, um, he says, look. And yet um, in verse 6, he looked. And behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. The elder said, behold, the lion. John turned and he saw a lamb as it has been, had been slain. The lion of the tribe of Judah became, by way of Calvary, the lamb of God. There are 22 references in Revelation to Jesus as the lamb. There is one reference to Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord Jesus has chosen to be eternally honored in glory as the Lamb of God. Slain. I wrote a couple of phrases um, next to this verse in my Bible. A brother uh, commented in our meetings. He said, um, how incongruous to see mortal wounds in heaven. That is, how strange, how uh, uh, 
unlikely it is to, to see uh, imperfections, uh, wounds in, uh, in a perfect heaven. And uh, the second statement is, uh, here is perfection in God's eyes. The wounds of the lamb, he carries them with him today. God sees it as, uh, as perfection, as um, uh, uh, his son, the lamb having done his will and, so, and shall be uh, present in heaven forever and ever. The perfect man bears the wounds he suffered from his creatures. The Lord's uh, choice of honor as the lamb shows to me that the redemption of sinners at Calvary defines history more than the judgment of the tribulation and his reign for a thousand years. That's the defining point of history is Calvary, the cross, not even his birth, not even his, uh, his judgment, not even his reign. Each of us will meet Jesus in a coming day. Will you meet him as a lion of the tribe of Judah? Or will you meet him as the lamb of Calvary? I asked that question to a coworker uh, uh, last week, and uh, uh, it stunned him. He said, that's heavy. What about you? That's heavy. How will you meet him? He is the lamb. He is the lion. How will you meet him? If you've not met the lamb already, we urge you to behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We, uh, we worship the Lord in, uh, this morning for uh, not just covering sin in the Old Testament, but for taking away, he's put away our sin through his death on the cross. He takes away the sin of the world. Behold, look, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He can take away yours through faith in him by grace. Well, we see the Lamb further described as having seven horns. That um, speaks of the Lamb's sovereignty, his um, omnipotence, his uh, all power, and then the seven eyes speaks of his omniscience. He can see uh, all things. And it refers as well to the seven spirits of God, um, uh, that reference to the sevenfold Holy Spirit, as we had seen in weeks past in Isaiah 11, 2, the um, uh, seven, seven ministries of the Holy Spirit. So we have the triune God in these verses. We have the Father who is seated on the throne. We have the Lamb uh, who took the scroll. We have the Holy Spirit who has been sent out to all the earth. In verse 7, we, um, we see that he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, states the Lamb took the scroll by authority and by the Father's appointment. God very willingly and justly put the book of his eternal counsels into the hand of Christ, and Christ 
as readily and gladly took it from his hand, into his hand. For he, that is the lamb, delights to reveal and to do the will of his father. The lamb receiving the scroll parallels Daniel's prophecy in Daniel 7. One like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So we have that, uh, that parallel in, um, in the Old Testament um, predicting the uh, transfer of authority to the Lamb. God committed all judgment and power to his Son. We understand something of what's happening here, the significance, the importance of it, as we see the response of those who are present in God's throne room. So let's, uh, let's do that. Let's look at the uh, response of the four creatures and the seven, uh, 24 elders. Um, show, uh, show the slide here, Luke. In, in verse 8, now, um, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So um, I've tried to depict here the, um, the expanding uh, circle uh, around the throne. So center is one who sits on the throne and the lamb, and the, um, uh, the next circle is the four living creatures and the 24 elders. Ours is not a culture where we prostrate ourselves before another person. That is, we lay flat before a person of honor. But we learn quick, and we will fall uh, before the Lord Jesus, as these um, four living creatures and the elders do. The harp that the elders carry is an instrument of worship. The bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints. Have you fragranced God's throne room today with your prayer, with your incense? It's, it's very important. It's um, uh, fragrance to God in heaven. They sang a new song in verse, um, verse 9. They sang, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Worthy. Worthy simply means deserving. You are deserving of um, taking the scroll and opening its seals. Bill McDonald in his commentary uh, says that really the lamb's worthiness is fourfold. It's um, by his infinite wisdom, he is deserving. By divine decree, uh, we read in, um, we already read in Daniel uh, 7, where it's decreed that the Lord the Lamb, uh, uh, the Messiah, should receive that authority from his, um, from his Father. But um, we read in John 5 
that the, ju- the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. There's a defined, divine decree. And then also in John 5, uh, the father has given him, uh, that is the Lord Jesus, authority to execute judgment also, because he is the son of man. So that's a second um, Worthiness of the Lord. Uh, third is his personal excellence. There is um, um, absolute perfection, impeccability in our Lord Jesus that qualifies him to take the scroll. And then, uh, finally, uh, his work at Calvary because he was slain. Christ's prevailing over sin and death qualifies him to, uh, to judge And the fact that um, the elders were singing, uh, you've redeemed us to God by your blood, indicates that they, the elders were human, that they were uh, uh, representatives of Christ's church, as um, God doesn't redeem uh, corrupt fallen angels. And it's amazing in this verse as well that... Um, Redeemed sinners will reign with Christ during his thousand years on earth, during his millennial rule. The second, um, uh, the second group, the next ring of, um, uh, of worshipers, if you would, Luke, is um, uh, pointed out in verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. Ten thousand times 10,000. We don't have our mathematicians here uh, in the meeting, so uh, we do quick math, and um, we find that that's uh, 100 million. Each Redeemed sinner, each angel with identifiable features, with a distinct voice, with a unique personality, a hundred million. Back in the 80s, um, Bill Gothard used to have his Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts. We'd meet at the um, Oakland Arena. It seats 19,200 people. And during those meetings, during that week, the, um, the people would sing, the audience would, would sing, and uh, I think it was a cappella. I don't think there was accompaniment, but um, it was thunderous. 19, 000, I, we filled the uh, arena, and there were n- close to 19,000 voices just lifted up in praise. Oh, it was, well, heavenly. But multiply that times 500 for the, um, for the number that John heard and saw. They say uh, with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy. He's deserving it's his due. Uh, we should 
uh, we should give that to him. But who among us has these to give? Who has power to, uh, to give or wisdom to give to the Lamb? Commentators and preachers rightly exhort us to give our riches and our strength to the Lamb. The, the things that we have personally, our, um, uh, our, our strengths, um, the gifts that we have. But um, really, uh, all things come from you, and of your own we have given you, David, um, David told the Lord in First Chronicles 29. And Paul wrote the Corinthians, he said, What do I have that I did not receive? These all belong to the Lord anyway. So uh, how, how do I give um, power um, to the Lord? I propose that what Christ receives is not primarily the power and the glory as much as it is our acknowledgement that he possesses power and glory and riches and blessing and strength. He has these already in perfect possession, fully, infinitely. He has these, and he is, um, he's worthy of us. <clears throat> Acknowledging that, of worshiping him, of giving him um, uh, praise. We sang this morning, I, I chose that chorus um, that we sang, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. <clears throat> it comes directly from Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, which reads, uh, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give to the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And the synonym, if, um, if your Bible's like mine, it has a marginal uh, note there for that word give, is to ascribe. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, we're going to learn a new word today if you don't know this already. Ascribe. What does ascribe mean? It means to attribute. It means to credit. It means to... Um, uh, to regard as characteristic. We're, we're, we're telling the Lord, uh, this is yours. It, it's yours. We're acknowledging it. We're admitting it. We're attributing it to you. All glory, all power, all strength, all blessing. It's yours. It belongs to you. Well, let's, um, let's look at a couple of them. We... Um, We've read through them already in the, in the verse, but let's see how this works out, that we're actually ascribing to the Lord blessing. 1 Timothy uh, 6.15, um, um, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So it speaks of... Um, of the Lord's sovereignty, but it also uh, reminds us that he is the, the blessed one. He is the, um, the king of blessing. Glory. We give glory to the Lord. Um, and uh, glory is the manifested excellence of, uh, of the holder. We read in um, Ephesians 1.17, that the Lord is the Father of glory. That is, he's the source um, from whom all 
divine splendor and perfection proceed. He's the source of glory. Power. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Power. And then wisdom. From Jude, from Jude 25. Wisdom is the... Um, is the insight into the true nature of things. That's a great definition. Uh, wisdom is the insight into the true nature of things. But Jude 25 reads, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. To give an earthly idea of what that heavenly choir sounds like, I'd like uh, to listen to that portion of Handel's Messiah, which is um, worthy is the lamb. Um, it's, uh, it's powerful. It's, um, it's not, in, well, the words are inspired. Yes, amen. Um, but it's, uh, it's impossible for me to read these um, uh, these praises in Revelation 5 anymore without hearing the Messiah, without Handel's Messiah. So Luke, um, play Worthy is the Lamb. You can sing along if you'd like.
Amen. <laughs> wow. So there's a preview, uh, an earthly preview of what glory will be like if the Lord can so stir the heart of a man like Handel to, um, to create such music. What's heaven going to be like? What's heaven going to be like? We find in verse 13 that um, every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. That's the final uh, circle, the final ring in, um, in our uh, graphic here this morning. Every creature, John heard saying, worthy is the Lamb. Prophetically, this looks beyond the tribulation, even beyond the millennial reign of Christ, to the eternal state when all creation joins in praise. Creation's purpose is to honor its creator, and God has equipped every created thing with the ability to praise, even the trees, even the uh, the animals of the field, the hills and the mountains will, uh, will give him praise. John was able to see that in, uh, in his vision. Interesting to note as well in verse 13 that um, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. There's, um, there's equality in, in honor Creation ascribes blessing, honor, glory, and power to both him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb without apology, without footnote, without disclaimer. And the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus says in John 5, 23, all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. In verse 14, the four living creatures said, Amen. And the, four, the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. The um, four living creatures give their uh, um, affirmation of, uh, of that worship. And the elders, again, prostrate themselves um, on the ground in worship to the Lamb. The elders offer us an example to follow. They, um, they worship we have opportunity in our fellowship to come together as an assembly and to worship the Lord. That's not to um, discourage you from your personal worship time, but um, what a privilege uh, to uh, do as the elders did and to come as, uh, as a group and worship. In conclusion, the... Um, the stage is set for the judgments that are going to follow in chapters 6 through 18. The world will grow dark. But again, the believers in Jesus today will not go through the tribulation, will not. The world may seem dark even before the tribulation. Whatever trials you're going through, financial, physical, family, the Lamb has suffered and was tried and endured and sits at God's right hand. 
God is still on the throne. And God has revealed to you how this ends. What are we to do? Believers, join here on earth the worship that's already in session. It's already going on in heaven. It's better than this. Join. No matter what you're going through, the Lord delights to hear you sing. For unbelievers, those who do not yet know the Lord Jesus, receive the Lamb as your Savior. He was slain for you. Let's pray. What a sight you've given us this morning, Lord, of, um, of heaven. You have uh, effectively opened heaven's door for us that we might peer in and see the uh, glory, the worthiness of uh, him who sits on the throne and of the Lamb. We, um, we who know you want to um, join the chorus. We want to be among those even now. We want to be uh, in unison with these uh, worshipers who are around the throne. Those who don't know you, Lord, um, we realize the time is short. I pray that you would speak to that one um, who would come to you as, um, as the saving lamb uh, slain uh, for sinners. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.